Well, good morning. So here we are, last Sunday of 2020, and we have been thinking for a few weeks, how do we end this thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we've been lamenting for these last few weeks in uh, the Advent series. We decided today we would maybe take a little bit of a turn and we would focus much more on rejoicing and on worshiping this God who we love, maybe taking our eyes a little bit off of ourselves and fixing them on his sovereignty and on his grace in our life. And we thought that would be a great way to end this year. And I want to set it up with what is my favorite story of worship in the Bible. It comes from the book of of Acts chapter 16, and it's a, it's a little bit of a weird story, but it also is kind of funny. It always strikes me as funny. Uh, let me set up the story. So Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they are in this Roman city of Philippi, and they're walking around and they're doing what they do. They're telling people about Jesus, talking about the gospel, talking about salvation, and there's this woman who is demon-possessed, uh, who starts following them. And she is a slave, so some people own her. And because of the demon possession, the Bible says that she has the ability to tell fortunes. So she can kind of tell the future, and that's kind of her job, is they, they use her to, to sell the fortune-telling to the people in the city of Philippi. So this woman starts following Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke around, and she starts shouting uh, every time she sees them, these men are servants of the Most High God, telling you the way to be saved, which is true. That is who they were, and that is what they were doing. But it also is a little bit annoying to have that happening, like day after day while you're trying to teach people about Jesus. And so the Bible actually says that Paul, out of his frustration, he gets so annoyed after days of this, out of his frustration, he turns and he casts the demon out of her. Um, and instantly this demon leaves this woman and all of her supernatural powers are like gone in that moment, which has always made me laugh. Um, this woman literally annoyed her way into spiritual freedom. I wonder how many of us are free on some level because God got annoyed with us. I don't, but I'm not accusing anyone here, but just it's an interesting idea. Nevertheless, she is free and her owners instantly realize they've lost their source of income. She no longer has this power. Um, so they conspire with the authorities they arrange it so that Paul and Silas are arrested and they are flogged and they are thrown into prison. Uh, and the Bible says that they're thrown into like the deepest, darkest pit in the prison of Philippi and that the jailer puts stocks, wooden stocks on their feet. And what comes next is my favorite story of worship in the Bible. I'm going to start in verse 25. Here's what it says. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. That's a pretty cool story, right? It, I think it's cool, the miraculous earthquake, the situation with the jailer, that kind of draws your attention, but I think on some level, that part of the story distracts us from what is the most remarkable part of the story to me. 
Here are Paul and Silas. They're just like they're just doing the Lord's work. And, and Paul sets this woman free in this very dramatic way. And for their trouble, they get arrested. They get flogged with whips. They get thrown into the deepest, darkest prison in the city of Philippi. And in that pit, in that moment, what is it that they choose to do? They worship. They pray. I think uh, the Bible gives us a clue that the other prisoners are as stunned by this as we would be. They are listening. They are paying attention. They are seeing something notable. There was probably a lot of prisoners in that prison that day who didn't think they deserved to be there. But the two guys who for sure didn't deserve to be there, those were the two choosing to worship in this environment. What's amazing about that is that response, it not only leads to their freedom, but eventually if you keep reading, it leads to the salvation of this jailer, of his entire household, his whole family. And I think this is such a, a fascinating story of worship because it teaches us something that is really important that we have to hang on to. Worship is not a statement about what is true. Worship is not a statement about what is true. Worship is a statement about what will eventually only be true. See, Paul and Silas, they knew what was true. We all know what is true. We know our current situation. We could look around and we could see the prison that maybe we are sitting in. And Paul and Silas certainly looked around and they saw their current situation, but that's not why they were singing. They weren't singing about the truth that they knew. They were worshiping. And that means that they were singing about what they believed would ultimately, eventually be true. They were singing about the truth that they knew, but they couldn't see. This is why worship is so central to our spiritual life, because what it means to be a human is that we are constantly victims of our eyes. We look and all we, uh, all, all we can see is what we see, and it, it becomes this thing that dominates our life. Uh, think about those prisoners, those fellow prisoners of Paul and Silas. All they could see was the prison they were in, but Paul and Silas saw the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, and they were singing about what would be true when that kingdom came on earth as it was in heaven. So this is what we see with worship. Worship freed them from their circumstances before they were freed from their circumstances. That's why we worship. That's why we pray no matter what, even if and especially if we find ourselves in circumstances that make us feel like not worshiping. Worship is a hopeful act. Worship connects us to something that we know is true, but we just can't see yet. It's one of those ways we rise above our eyes. Worship is a declaration to the pain, to the grief in our life that you are temporary because I belong to the kingdom of God's mercy. That's what worship does is it teaches our hearts that the prison cell that we find ourselves in, one way or another, it is temporary. And that's why we have to worship especially at the end of a year like this. Just like Paul and Silas had to worship so that they weren't deceived by their eyes, we have to worship so that at the end of this disappointing year, we know exactly what is true. 
So today we thought we'd worship, we thought we'd rejoice, we thought we'd just declare some truth and that we would claim it together before we stepped into this next year. So would you stand with me? Let's worship our God.